Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm your host Laura Griffiths and on this episode I'm joined by Nadav Goshen, CEO of MakerBot. The Brooklyn-based 3D printing company is perhaps one of the most recognisable brands in the AM industry. Known for its desktop 3D printers, which have evolved from hobbyist devices to professional manufacturing tools and adopted for industrial applications, whether inside the R&D lab at Cougar Robotics or on a NASCAR racetrack. Nadav talks about recent application stories, how during the pandemic, MakerBot sent its engineers home with their own method printers so they could continue remote development on their next machine, the growth of metal 3D printing on the desktop, and how accessibility to professional tools will encourage innovation. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more Additive Insight, head on over to tctmagazine.com, where you can subscribe to our free Additive Insight newsletter and get the biggest 3D printing news stories delivered straight to your inbox every week. But first, a word from our sponsor, Ultimaker. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help you streamline your workflow and help you save time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial-grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program, and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software, which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. With a decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker printers are being used by a wide range of industrial users for a broad range of applications. For more information, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash UltimakerPod. Hi Nadav, great to have you on the Additive Insight podcast today. How are you doing? Very well, Laura. Thank you for having me. No, it's good to finally have you guys on. It's hard to believe that this week marks a whole year since many of us uh, started working from home and social distancing became just a, a normality for, for a lot of us in what turned out to be a year like no other. How have the last 12 months been at MakerBot? Whoa. By the way, I just looked at the calendar and I think mm-hmm. it was exactly March 18th that like we kind of uh, went uh, into kind of quarantine or like, you know, remote working. And at that time we thought it will take like many few weeks or like a month and then we can can come back to the office and look at us like a year after still working remotely. And, but during that time launched, I think about 20 something different materials, four variants uh, uh, of a hardware printer, you know, numerous uh, in cloud and, and other kind of software updates that we released so insane year and i do want to touch on some of those launches because some of them were were pretty big hardware launches but um i attended a a panel session that you guys hosted last year so during all of that you had this roundtable discussion with various figures from the am industry which brought the very good question of whether or not additive manufacturing's heightened visibility during the pandemic would have elastic impact on uh, the perceptions of technology and the adoption of the technology going forward. And there were some very optimistic and also more reserved takes on what that might look like. I just wondered what's your take on that? Oh, I think like if we look back at that, like this year, or I think we'll, we see two different kind of progression in terms of additive manufacturing. You know, we almost, I don't know, at the beginning, there were a shortage of PPEs and then the industry and 3D printing specifically kind of came into really save the day 
uh, as you may say, and, and just, you know, drive uh, parts to the healthcare industry. We and MakerBot participated with the Columbia University Initiative to print, uh, you know, uh, personal protection equipment uh, for the medical care employees here in New York City uh, in the midst of the pandemic. And, and, and we turned our lab into like a small kind of production house. And just in, I don't know, in a few weeks, we were able to send like a few thousands of, of, of you know, face shields and et cetera um, to hospitals in, in the city. Okay. And, um, and that's really, really amazing. And I know that this kind of initiatives happened all around the world. Um, and, and I think that's, that kind of kicked things in. And then with the pandemic continuing, uh, we also show like the vulnerability that company has on supply chain. And, uh, you know, it started in China and we know that many things are manufactured in China. And, and while China was shut down, companies which were dependent on a continuous supply of, uh, you know, parts from China found themselves very vulnerable to it. So additive manufacturing came again to help in mitigate that kind of dependency. And when you look into that, I think what, what I said, I think, look at that as kind of an insurance, you know? I know that right now, additive manufacturing is more expensive than, you know, mass production. Um, but when you look into the overall, by the way, cost, including shipment and storage, and also the impact on revenue, and the dependency that you might have if you are concentrating your supply chain in a specific location, and all of that can be solved with additive manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So I think that that kind of year and, and, and the experience that company would kind of force to, you know, to deal with um, kind of drove this industry forward. I had like a teacher in, in, in university that told me like, you know, that uh, distress is the... I would say that the the initiator the initiator for innovation, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, and 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 she was right. I think like once you're comfortable, you know, you really don't tend to innovate because mm -hmm. everything works well, and 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 people are afraid of changes. And I think the pandemic had surfaced so many challenges, uh, as I said, like supply chain, you know, like 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 shipments, you know, things that we took for granted, you know, like you put it on a ship and it comes like in a few weeks after into the US and, and that doesn't, didn't happen. So, mm -hmm. and, and I think the economics of additive manufacturing changed and the possibilities mm -hmm. of what you can achieve uh, change and, and look at healthcare, you know, we saw like a, in hospital in France that deployed uh, in their basement, a fleet of uh, 3D printers and that's to be them to be able to be prepared if something will come up and, and they will not be able to get parts. And, and we saw students in Pennsylvania University coming to MakerBot and asking how can they print uh, ventilator parts um, in order to re kind of uh, requalify or kind of uh, reinitiate like old ventilators uh, because the parts uh, were missing and, and nobody could, uh, you know, find them. So they designed the, you know, the, the, the spare parts and, and just took some old ventilator and brought them back to service. 
I want to talk a little bit about some of the, the new things that you guys launched over the last 12 months, because as you said, 20 new materials and, and various pieces of hardware, you really didn't slow things down in terms of launches. Um, and one of the biggest ones was the, the method carbon fiber. I wonder if you can talk to me about uh, what the demand for that technology has been like so far. Yeah, yeah, I think like it's, 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 it's insane. I think like we, we went like, and you know, like developing a harder product is not easy because you have to prototype. And even during the pandemic, like, you know, like the, the kind of the, the peaks that we had here in New York City, um, you know, we were very careful and, 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 and very cautious about our employees' uh, health and safety. Um, and, and what we did, by the way, and this is like another example of why, you know, things are changed. We shipped our own printers, methods, to employees' houses so they can continue to prototype and, okay. and kind of while, 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 uh, you know, isolating. Um, and, and, and I think like, you know, that's also like the example of like method and, and, and the value that it brings to, to the world, because like we have people that have like two or three printers in their basements and some of them had one mostly and, and they continue to work and then they collaborated on zoom or whatever. And mm -hmm. each one of them hold the same part. And, and we can continue to develop a product. Um, and, and I think then, you know, when we launched Carbon Fiber, answering your question about the demand, I think it kind of blew our mind because we knew that, you know, composites are, um, you know, we have high demand in, in, in the industry for that because it's, it's, it's a good, uh, I would say, properties for multiple, uh, you know, manufacturing applications. Also on the production floor or for like end use parts, um, and 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 I think carbon fiber we released like a, two nylon carbon fiber materials. I think uh, probably about uh, you know um, 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 I think like about like maybe three months apart, and 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 now they represent a significant portions of our sale, um, and we just released this morning. Uh, you know, um, a case study about uh, a racing team uh, in, in the Paris Dakar um, race. And they took on board their supply uh, or the, the support truck, a few methods uh, and carbon fiber, and they printed while the rest, you know, replacement part for the cars. So we see a variety of, I would say, manufacturing level application with carbon fiber and uh, that we, with method, and now bring in a very affordable and, and I would say accessible way because of the footprint and the price. I think that that's so interesting. And going, going back to what you said, you are your own type of customer, really. You know, you're, you're developing new products yourself and you, you needed to have that technology in-house. And it, it makes me wonder, uh, you also launched the, the next generation of cloud print software. How important was something like that when you were sending your own staff home to, to work remotely and still develop new products? Yeah, I think we fed on our own dog food. <laughs> so, <laughs> as we say, and, and, and I think, yes, and it was like, it was... Really, really, you know, we always use 3D printing uh, while, you know, we develop our own product. So we, all, we are accustomed to experience the benefits uh, that 3D printing and specifically, you know, what we call like, you know, the desktop 3D printing can, can have on the agility and time to market of product design. Um, because we are disrupting that, like each, like most of our engineers have 
a, a method next to them, or, or at least like, you know, sharing like two share methods. And we see how that kind of uh, accelerates the timelines and, and, the, and the innovation that we can have with our own products. And then when we turned into the isolation and, and had to kind of uh, keep away from the office, you know, some guy said, why won't we ship methods for this and that? And say, wow, that's a great idea. We didn't think about that. <laughs> and, 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 and then, you know, like soon enough, we saw people and, and there was like one of our kind of uh, all hands meeting. And uh, there was like a section uh, that we said like engineering from home. And we encouraged people to employees to take pictures of their new work setup. So you see like, you know, people are having like, you know, kind of uh, printers next to their basement and someone had jigs somewhere and the kids are running around. And, and so, and, and, and that was really inspiring because we knew that like by having, you know, the access to the tool uh, close to the engineers, whatever they are uh, in home or anywhere else, uh, we can continue to deliver on a roadmap. I want to talk to you about a, a pretty big leap in the uh, the application scope and the material scope for the, the method line now. You've just qualified um, BASF's Ultrafuse 316L stainless steel filament, which enables metal 3D printing on a desktop platform. And this material was such a, a breakthrough when it was first announced back in 2019. Have metals long been on the roadmap for the method since the beginning? Yes, it was. I think, I think like we, when, when we look at method, I think like we look at that as a platform and that platform was developed originally to support all of these materials. And, but like any platform, you start to release the platform and then you kind of uh, advance the capabilities of the platform. So, you know, when we released method at the beginning with the heated chamber, we knew that that kind of breakthrough in terms of uh, desktop 3D printing uh, will allow us to continue and, and deliver on, on materials properties that were not accessible in a good way uh, on, on, on the desktop level. And, and, you know, starting with like the basic was ABS. We know that when you print ABS on an open chamber, you cannot really print a part that is usable because you want to be able to maintain the dimensions and the adhesion will be weak. So once we release that ABS and then soluble support uh, on a desktop printer, um, we set the roadmap to increase the capabilities of the platform by adding um, accessories and materials. So then after we released the MakerBot Lab Extruder, uh, which opened up uh, another level of materials that we can offer to our customers. Uh, and we went from, I think, like three materials at launch to 25 that we have today, a year after, a year and a half after. And, and then we came with the composites and we had to kind of, you know, and, and, and people might not see that, but we have to continue to improve the extruders and continue to improve the technology so we can have a hardened nozzles and we can have a replaceable nozzles and this is continued to populate into the platform and and then we worked with basf over the last six to nine months and kind of qualifying the stainless steel material on method and if you ask basf they know that the heated chamber and the adhesion that it provides 
and on the kind of the green part that the metal uh, you know is kind of being produced first and translates into a very good part properties and so I think and and you will hear more from us on groundbreaking materials that we'll bring into the platform and the good thing about that that it kind of populates backwards so you know if you want to have if you purchased a method X or a method um, like a few months back and you want to kind of tap into that new metal printing you just get you know the the, the, the extruder if needed and the material and then you can you know upgrade your platform mm-hmm. And we know metals are, of course, very, very different to working in polymers. Did you have to develop any additional kind of support in software or, or post-processing equipment to go alongside this? We we kind of partnered with with, with BSF, and 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 you know BSF are the leaders in MIM, which is like metal printing, not additive, and they have extensive knowledge about the shrinkage and the sintering process that 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 metals are kind of you know. In, require post-printing. So we rely on their expertise and we work with their partners to provide like the best-in-class sintering solution. So so when you print the green part on method, we, you and we partner with them to provide a full solution. And I think like for the customer, it kind of helps, by the way, to get very accessible into metal printing. We know that like the next step up is like, you know, 10 times more expensive than the metal printer. And, and then print parts, which are, I saw the parts that are kind of mind blowing and, 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 and work with BSF as our partner to really uh, get like all of their experience and combined with ours and just have like, you know, very accessible metal printing. And the application that comes with that is like, you know, metal printing is a novel uh, kind of uh, concept right now. You know, in regardless of, you know, what you can use it, I think you can use that into prototyping of, you know, before you produce the parts or you can do like short runs. And so I think right now this is very, very kind of innovative. And we are really looking forward to our customers to kind of lead the way and, and, and find new application for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I understand it is, it, it's of course very new. And with the carbon fiber edition, you're already kind of offering this kind of uh, metal replacement style part. So what kind of applications do you really see customers using this new ultrafuse filament for? And I think that's, that's by the way, the, you, you tapped into what, what, what we kind of call it like a, the metal platform capabilities. You can pin polymers composites and metal on the same platform. And, and, and you don't need to switch the platform to print like, you know, either off. And, and, and we see to your question about like metal printing, as I said, like there are small production parts. And as, as I said, like, let's take the Paris Dakar, um, which the case study was launched before we had the metal printer. So mm-hmm. I think like, you know, we, we can assume what would have happened if they will be able to, you know, print on the field uh, metal parts. And, and, and so that's in the right direct, but in terms of like prototyping, we know that like, you know, when you build like, you know, and we saw like, you know, someone that in the aerospace um, world are kind of using to prototype, you know, metal parts and they use methods and others and to kind of 
get the part in their hands. So various applications from prototyping to like a very short run of individual parts that you need to um, a specific, uh, you know, case study or application. And what kind of impact do you think the availability of materials like this now will have on furthering the adoption of desktop extrusion based 3D printing as an industrial tool? Because I know for a long time, desktop was seen as kind of hobbyist. How do you think new materials like this are going to push that even further? Yeah, I think that that's, you know, when we kind of pivoted uh, when I joined MakerBot, we kind of, you know, set a path to kind of go, I would say, upstream with the application level and, and, and provide, uh, you know, a professional grade, industrial grade printer on the desktop. And, and that was the path that we took upon ourselves, uh, even when developing method. So the notion that, you know, 3D printing is a consumer a application was well neglected, at least in my mind, like many years ago, like three or four years ago. And, 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 and the idea that like additive manufacturing, which is like, you know, the subset of, or the outcome of 3D printing is something that will, I would say, expand as we will provide the right tool to the engineers. And this, this is what drove our kind of roadmap. We knew, and I still know that like, the barrier for the technology is adoption. And adoption is limited when you have uh, less access to the tool itself. And most 3D printers are very expensive and they're isolated in uh, you know, a very specific location. There are big refrigerator side and, and that limits the accessibility. And if you don't have such access, then you don't have innovation and then you don't have you know, applications that follows. And we know that from any, like, any industrial revolution that democratized technology had proven to us that that's the case, like from computers to cell phones, right? So it's nothing, you don't need to be smart to understand that. And I think method was developed to bring and to bridge that accessibility barrier. And now as we see like with our employees and engineers and we see with others that like this accessibility to the tool as long as it provides the professional grade, uh, I would say experience um, that, 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 that an engineer requires. You know, an engineer, they are very expensive. We pay a lot for engineers. We don't want them to tinker uh, or to kind of, uh, you know, play around with a toy. We invest a lot on their, uh, you know, work tools. And one of it is a 3D printer. And that 3D printer has to print reliably it has to be, you know, consistent. It has to deliver the dimensions that they have on the CAD. And, and right now, before method, that was not available. And mm -hmm. the desktop printers that were before that kind of compromised on that. And, and, and the main difference was like the heated chamber. Because when you print with a, like an open chamber or when you have to use like, you know, a paper <laughs> sheet to calibrate your printer, Something is wrong with that. <laughs> Something is wrong if you have to kind of put the paper and, and make sure that when you pull it out, it's stuck and that's make, this is your calibration process. Yeah. And, and, and it's obvious. When you have a good method, you just you know, take the bill plate, you click a button, and the printer does it for you. And, and you know that it does it accurately for you and, and because we tune it for you. So that's, that's how a professional-grade tool, a printer, whatever, has to operate. 
And I think that was the kind of the missing part in how do we, you know, how desktop 3D printing uh, was perceived. And, and, and then now when we see that new materials, when we see the carbon fiber, when we see the metals that are being available on the platform, and when you will hear more from us in the next coming few months, very short months, you will see how we continue to innovate uh, in that process to make the tool at first accessible and easy to use and as less you know, cumbersome as possible. And also to continue to deliver on the professional grade, uh, I would say result that you would get. And at the end of it, you want the part. You want to have the part in your hand that has to have the right mechanical properties, that has to be accurate to your design, and you have to you want to have it fast and clean. Yeah, I, I think the accessibility thing is is so so important. And I even remember uh, going along to the the launch of the methods. Um, a few years ago now, and that was such a big part of it, the idea that so many industrial capable 3D printers are just stuck in labs and, you know, one or two people get to use them. But the idea was to give those same capabilities and tools and, and put them on an engineer's desk. And um, with these new materials, it looks like the the scope for applications is, is only going to open up even more. I know you mentioned the, the ProDrive um, case study, which, which came out today, but I wondered if there were any other recent customer stories that you could share with us there, any success stories from, from the Method platform? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like we see that one and, and, and you know, I can, I, can, I can share with you that there are, and, and some of it are coming, um, very innovative, you know, we saw like, you know, a car design company, another, mm. Uh, a racing car, which like, you know, they, they, most of the, I would say the, 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 the leaders in, in adopting new technologies are the one that kind of requires special, uh, I would say unique, uh, application. And then it's been adopted by others like aerospace and, you know, and, 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 and aviations are always the leaders um, and, and definitely automotive as well. So we see, for example, uh, you know, few uh, other kind of racing uh, uh, companies that are kind of using method on the tracks or in their workshops because they need a custom-made part. Um, and, and we see also, you know, manufacturing floors using method. So we see that across, you know, if it was at the beginning uh, only exclusive to prototyping, which is still the main use case, for us, and, and we see that kind of, as I said, the agility on hardware and you know design kind of being accelerated by uh, you know by method and by the accessibility that we provide. In addition to that, once we have more and more material, we see more kind of more additive manufacturing application you know come kind of coming on board. So that's okay. the transition that we're seeing. With these recent launches across uh, carbon fiber metals, um, you're really entering very new and kind of increasingly competitive markets in the additive manufacturing space. What would you say MakerBot is doing differently in those areas? We spoke about accessibility, and but we also spoke about the versatility. And you know, we provide a platform that is very versatile. And and right now, when we look at the competition, um, some of them are doing very good 
single application uh, product. Uh, you know, some companies provide composites, but they don't provide uh, support. And that limits what you can print. Because if you don't have a support material, then the geometries that you can print are limited. And people accept that. And I think with method, I think you are not constrained to print a specific geometry. Uh, so the versatility of the platform is really, really uh, what we want to drive. And that's our differentiation. And as I said, with method, you can print like composites, you can print polymers, you can print now metals. And, and that's very, 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 very important for us. And the second thing is the footprint and the ease of use. And there are different companies that have a very cumbersome post-processing. You need the specific, you know, you know, toxic and, 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 and kind of, you know, very non-office friendly um, kind of setup for it. And, and the great thing about FDM uh, is that it's very, very office friendly. And with the addition of this kind of accessibility and office friendliness and, and, and the materials, I think we're just, you know, um, that's, that's our differentiation. And we announced what we call HAPA lid or like, you know, the clean air, uh, which has a HAPA filter on it that also kind of takes that into the next level. We know that like, you know, some materials are kind of emissive. And, and we want to be able to have that kind of printer in an office environment. So I think that's the differentiation that we are kind of driving through. We want to have that tool close to the engineers. Mm -hmm. Because MakerBot has been such a mainstay of the additive manufacturing industry for over a decade now, and we've seen different iterations of the company in that time. I just wondered if you can share any significant trends or changes that you think have made a significant impact on the industry as a whole. I think there are like few, you know, the industry had changed in my mind. The majority was like the, you know, the hype and the hype phase. Mm -hmm. I think like mm -hmm. when, when we had the hype and the hype, both of them were kind of uh, exaggerated in different directions, right? The, the hype was, uh, you know, too optimistic, but the de hype was too pessimistic because the technology um, is still amazing and the capabilities that it provides and the value that it provides to different industries are enormous. And, and I think like the D-hype kind of, uh, you know, play down that value. And now what we see, we see, by the way, and I think, you know, as, as I said, the, the pandemic also stressed some of the conventions that, that we kind of got used to as, 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 you know, commercial and, 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 and different companies. And, and the combination of that and the realization and the involvement of the technology now kind of enters a new phase in the industry. And I think that is the phase which is interesting where we can now look at real application and not, you know, not Star Trek ones and, 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 and kind of see the value and that like, you know, additive manufacturing can bring and, and that's a very quantified value. That's a real value. That's a real application that has been, been now used. And I think that's, that's the phase that we are entering. And, and, you know, we're talking about manufacturing. Manufacturing is huge. It's, it's like, you know, the, and, and, and we know that even a small disruption 
in in that market in that kind of industries that are kind of manufacturing stuff can have such a huge impact on on you know on so many things and th- we don't even know about that let's talk about warehousing right mm-hmm. warehousing is like a common thing like or let's talk about like you know let's take like a you know an, an army somewhere in the world that is now buying airplanes you know or choppers whatever and and they know that this life the lifetime for like some kind of that kind of you know plane is could be like 50 years and mm-hmm. now you need to kind of carry 50 years of spare parts for that plane so in 50 years do you think like you know you need to store it and do it like energy manufacturing can free you from keeping these parts and and so I think that's that's where we kind of now get into the realization of the value of that industry. Mm-hmm. And because you are dealing with a desktop technology, you know, you're talking about these big possibilities. Do you think you've got quite, as MakerBot, got quite an important role to play in showing people what those kind of entry possibilities are? Things like jigs and fixtures, for example, on these small applications, in order for them to take that leap to the next thing. Yeah, I think we have our role. By the way, our role is in two ways. One, I think there is the effective manufacturing mindset, which is still not there in design. People still think subtractive. When an engineer designs a part, most times they are constrained to the manufacturing uh, technologies that they learned in you know colleges. And if they are like as old as me, that was like a few years back. So, you know, no, nobody... Nobody just, you know, thinks in subtractive. And then, you know, you instead of designing one part that can, you know, can be very complex, you now split it into six parts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you think additive manufacturing, then you can, you know, say, oh, I won't design six different parts. I will design one part. And, and, and that's the role that we see that MakerBot can help because we can train these engineers by giving them the you know a desktop printer next to them so they can learn the second thing is about manufacturing in general i think like there is this question about uh, you know throughput you know manuf- throughput is is a combination of uh, you know velocity uh, and size in in our case right so sometimes it's better to have one big printer that prints you know many small parts but some other times uh, and, and by the way, mathematically, most times, if the parts are small enough, it's rather to have a hive of smaller printers that can produce, uh, you know, these parts simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think this is also a part where we can uh, lead in. And by the way, the sizes of methods that we have right now will not be the finite size of printers that we offer, right? So that can kind of uh, allude to where we're heading. <laughs> so, you know, we, we know that the build volume of method is what it is right now. And, and we know that there are some applications that are limited by that size. And, you know, our engineers are working hard in many fronts. So, yeah, we see the progression that the platform can take uh, to also, you know, bring into more uh, manufacturing grade applications. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think that brings me quite nicely onto my last question now. So you've, you've hinted quite heavily there at some, some things to come in terms of the hardware. And of course, we can expect to see much more coming from the materials, but particularly with the you know things that happen on the experiments extruder and the materials partnerships that Makerbot have got. Can you just give us um, a brief idea of, of what we can expect to see from Makerbot over the next year? We look at that kind of workflow in a very serious way. We don't look at that, you know, at the end of it, as I said, we are just a part provider. At the end of it, what the engineers want is a part. And we need to make sure that this part gets to their hands as quickly, as cleanly, as accurately as possible. And I think this is where we end, you know, with the variety of materials and, and with no limitations. You cannot have an engineer telling like this printer, you can print that part, but only if it's straight, right? Don't use like, you know, if it has overhangs and eh, don't use it because we can't print an overhang because we don't have a support. So in that kind of, I would say solution, we will have a very novel breakthrough coming very soon. And you'll hear that, like I'm talking about weeks. And the second thing, as I said, like, you know, we know that there are some limitations to the platform. And, and we will continue to develop the platform, but kind of uh, expand on the capabilities. And the good thing about building a platform is that everything we did from the previous generation will populate into the new ones and vice versa. So I think that's, that's, that's another difference in, in how we think. The platform is really, really capable of doing a lot of things. And we released also like, you know, not, you know, we're talking about hardware all the time, uh, my, my, my background is mostly in software. So, you know, we also innovate in the way we look at the workflow in terms of software. We release CloudPrint, which provides a very, very, I would say, intuitive and new way to prepare on the cloud. So you don't need to have a desktop application to, to print and to prepare and to program your printer. And that opens up for like, you know, variety of add-ons and, and advancement that we can do on the software side. So I think like in both of that directions, both on the hardware and accessibility and, and kind of the platform capabilities uh, in a significant way, uh, you will hear from us. And also on the software side, how we kind of take it to the next level and how do we can use, you know, generative design and other kind of, you know, I would say artificial intelligence a embedded into the printing process so so we, we we are working very hard on on driving the technology further and now a word from our sponsor ultimaker ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion based 3d printers that can help you streamline your workflow and help you save time and money Ultimaker printers offer industrial grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. With a decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker printers are being used by a wide range of industrial users for a broad range of applications. For more information, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash Ultimaker pod.